welcome to Masters of Divinity. I am your moderator, JP, and with me is Father Chuck. Heyo! And also Matt Wells. He's being very quiet tonight. Matt? Okay, fine. Just don't say anything then. That's yeah, cool. Whatever. so he's just going to... Okay, fine. Dude, that's... That's, bro, that's fine. I, you you want to just brush us off like that. That's, that's all right. I, I, I understand that you're tired, and I understand that... You know, things the academy are rough and all that, but dude, you don't think you have to get the cold shoulder like that. Yeah, I don't know. You know let's, let's just give him what he wants. You know, if he wants to okay. chime in, he can. That's fine. Okay, that's all fine. Right. Okay, <clears throat> Father Chuck, how are you doing, buddy? I am all right. I'm, 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 I'm starting to feel it, JP. Feel what? I'm starting to feel it. We are, we're getting ready to. It's getting ready to be Easter, man. And oh, yeah. this is the busiest time. For, for for clergy. That's right. Um, I remember asking you if 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 uh, Christmas was like your 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 big event, but you're like, no, it's Easter. Easter so man, because we have like we have a whole week, a whole week of stuff starting. It is starting this Sunday, which is um, Palm Sunday. Yeah. We have a full week um, of of stuff going on. We've got you know we've got a I got a service in Miami at the cathedral and it's uh, all day on Tuesday I've got a Wednesday night service I got a Thursday night service I got a, we've got two services on Good Friday mm-hmm. um I've got a, a, a like a Easter egg hunt thing going on on Saturday Holy Saturday plus an evening prayer service there um and then we have um 6:30 a.m. great Easter vigil 10:30 a.m. principal Easter service it's oh my gosh. it's go time man it is go time you are a preaching machine you are a, a preachinator, if you will. I'm something, man. <laughs> <laughs> a preach, a preach, uh, eight, eight, eight hundred. And added to that, and we have an additional, we have an additional service this year because um, Sunday evening, um, so April 9th, this is this upcoming Sunday, and um, which, as you're listening to this, will be the past Sunday, um, is um, um, the rededication of our building, of our church building. Um, our, it's our anniversary. It's 50, 50 years. The church, wow. the chapel here at the school that we also worship at is, uh, has been around 50 years, which in South Florida, that's ancient history. Yeah, dude. Um, in West Boca, that's, you know, practically the beginning of time. <laughs> um, and, um, and so that's, that's a big deal. So we're, we've, we're, we've got this, the bishop coming and we're doing a service to celebrate the building and its anniversary and, and do a little rededication, the rededication aspect thing with it and all that. So it'll be, it'll be, it'll be, it'll be, it'll be cool. Well, congratulations, man. 50 years. That's pretty good. That's, that's impressive. That's, uh, that sounds exciting. Yeah. It's, we're, we're really excited about it. And it's, um, it's one of the things we're doing with the school and with the church, which is, which is cool. We get those opportunities. So, so yeah, so I've been running around all this week trying to finalize all of these things, getting, you know, stuff together. And it's yeah. just been, a. Uh, like I said, it's it's that time of year where things are really busy. Yeah, for us. Yeah. But you know what? I just I, I'm going to ramble for a second because okay. I a lot of uh, nice, a lot of a lot of priests, a lot of clergy in general, I've seen in social media tend to like really emphasize how busy they they are, and it almost becomes like it's sort of like it's like. Like they hold up like some kind of badge of honor. Like I'm just so busy right now, man. Like really? I'm just so yeah. And I think I actually might have mentioned this last year on the podcast. Mm-hmm. But my feeling is like, guys, like you get to do this. You don't have to do this. Right. You know, you knew what you were getting into when you, you know, more or less when you went to seminary and went through all that. And so it's, it's, you know, it's it to me. It's I don't want to sound like I'm trying to be some kind of like self-righteous martyr type person like oh the poor priest is working so hard because like it's a lot of work and i'm super busy but i'm energized and jazzed by it 
And like, I look forward to it every year. Right. Um, you know, to me, I guess it's probably like for you when you were doing the festival circuit, oh, where it's yeah. like you have all this prep work and then you have the festival and it's like this intense, crazy, busy time, but you like look forward to it. And like, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I mean, I only cry during the two hours I had rest every night. So <laughs> That's, other than that, it was game time, bro. Put on the, yeah, put, on that, put on that game face. Yep. Yep. <laughs> oh, uh, so I, I had a bit of a, a miracle happened oh. this past week, Chuck. I think it's a miracle. Okay. Um, I had my car detailed. That's not the miracle. Um, <laughs> I had my car detailed, and the guy who was cleaning it out um, found uh, a Starbucks gift card Dude. That, I, that I had lost a year ago. And nice. there was about $40 on this gift card. <laughs> There you go. And I've already run through it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, so, I don't know what this is about me or, like, the prices at Starbucks, but um, I just finished a uh, – what was the one you recommended? The, the cinnamon almond? The, 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 the cinnamon almond milk uh, macchiato? Yeah. Yeah. It was good. Yeah, dude. It was good. Um, I already finished it, and uh, <laughs> I'm a little shaky. Uh, so I'm, yeah, dude. I'm, I'm ready to go. <laughs> well, dude, I had a, I had a cold brew coffee um, – and it's been a while since I've had a Starbucks cold brew coffee because I typically do my own cold brew. Yeah. And um, the caffeine content of a Starbucks cold brew is a little bit different than my own homemade stuff. <laughs> and like I had that this afternoon because normally I only do one cup of coffee today a, a day, but I happened to be um, I needed I was at a church and I needed a lift uh, ride to pick, take me back to my office and yeah. uh, you know at my at my church. And uh, I figured it'd be easier for me to go to the Starbucks than the church. So yeah. I. Uh, for the lift to find me. So I did that and I was like, well, while I'm here <laughs> and dude, I was, I was getting the shakes a little bit after that. Yeah. It's been like a caffeine overload for me the past uh, week or so. I haven't, I haven't slept much. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Be careful of that man. I, I overdid it. I, I, I think I'm in, I've, I don't know if I mentioned on the podcast before, but last year I overdid it, bro. Yeah. I, uh, I, yeah, I had a panic attack. I had, it was bad. Oh, it was gosh. bad news. I do remember that. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I realized that we, I think we started the podcast after that. Yeah. After that. Time. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, I, I had that happen. Um, caffeine, caffeine overdose, man. Um, had that happen a week before my second son was born. So oh wow. that was a great time to go cold Turkey on coffee when I had a newborn in the house. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, now that I'm all hot up on caffeine and, Sweet. uh, you're all hot up on anticipation. Uh, for, I, oh, you know it for Easter week. Uh, let's, let's, let's talk about our topic for this week. Um, it was decided this week that we would talk about demons. Demons. And I, I, I'm, I'm kind of, I don't know how to feel about it. I don't really know how I should handle it tone wise because, because in Christianity, it's a serious thing. It is an, it is a very serious thing. Uh, I don't think this is something we can approach like aliens. Right. Um, but at the same time, if I happen to not take this seriously and be funny, please don't judge me because <laughs> I don't know hey. any other way to do it. <laughs> hey, you know, it's not on this show. Right. Right. I, I was going to say, I mean, the, the the issue with this topic is and it's something that I, I think we'll we'll turn to in, 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 in conversation throughout the rest of the episode. But it's one of those things where. It, it really reflects something that's true about Christianity, whereas there's two types of Christianity. Okay. There's, there's 
the, you know, the real religious, you know, Christianity. Mm-hmm. And then there's popular Christianity and okay. popular Christianity deals with, you know, a lot of stuff that a lot of stuff that might be kind of foreign to the actual rich theological tradition of the church and deals. And so, so within that, I think you have the pop culture aspect of this stuff. And within the people call that cultural Christianity. uh, Sure. Yeah. 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 Cause when it's about popular, I mean that sort of like generic general, you know, pop Christianity, like it's just out there. And like within that you have different strands, but within, but you definitely in one of those strands, and I think that this is where for us there is a touch of it where we have to kind of roll our eyes and laugh, mm-hmm. and that is the like you know the satanic panic aspect of this stuff where we talked about before, where right, yeah, yeah. there are a ton of cheesy movies, <laughs> there are a ton of there's a ton of really bad literature, you know, and then not not to mention chick tracks and the paranoia around board games and you know all of that that somehow related to. Well, we talk about the demonic. So I think it's I think in some ways there's an element of irreverence and in humor that's just going to come out of it just in virtue of that and, and in virtue of just sort of cutting through the BS mm-hmm. because there's a lot of BS about about demons. You, and I think that's important to acknowledge. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, Ed and Lorraine Warren come to mind. I don't know who these people are. The Warrens who investigated like the Amityville horror and oh, oh yes, the Enfield poltergeist, and they call right. themselves demonologists, even though they're not like they're not like officially affiliated with the church or anything like that. Right, and, and they're also and, proven to be frauds. So right, that was the other thing. Like, yeah, they 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 <laughs> frauds, and like because that's the other piece about this is that there's a lot of this stuff that sells. Right, right, like. Um, and this might be a little bit of a tangent, but it's like one of the, so I, so a little story and, um, and maybe I've mentioned to you already in, in previous times that maybe we can find a way to get him on the podcast at some point. But I was amazed to learn from a colleague that the drummer for the metal band, um, Iron Maiden mm-hmm. is a member of one of the, one of the evangelical uh, large evangelical churches down the road from me. All right, you remember you telling me that, yeah. And occasionally plays drums in their praise band. So like, this blew my mind because it's like it's friggin' Megadeth, man. <laughs> I mean, it's not Megadeth. It's Iron Maiden. Yeah. So like one of the hardest rocking metal bands of all time, Iron Maiden, and like so, and they have um, what is it? Uh, Ed, Eddie, the they're like little like zombie. Oh like, yeah character and um and like a lot of that kind of like scary horror movie imagery stuff and so this kind of sent me down a little bit of a rabbit hole and i learned that members of megadeth members of slayer are all pretty committed christians and corn and i don't know, well, if, they, I don't know if you count one around lump them with them but no well because i mean because uh yeah well he brian wilson brian is it was it brian wilson actually no it was uh was it head his yeah that's I mean that was his nickname but i think his real name is brian wilson i think it's brian head wilson okay Anyway, anyway, no, I, I don't count that because he left Corn. Oh, okay, gotcha. Um, these guys are still part of Slayer. They're still right. part of Megadeth. They're still part of Iron Maiden. Mm-hmm. But they go to church and stuff. Yeah. Like, and reading, so reading about it, there was the idea of like, well, yeah, making metal, you use pentagrams and stuff, man. Like that's just like part of part of it. Like we don't really believe it. It's just there, you know. It's it, it's part of the aesthetic, and it it sells records. Yeah. Uh, and there are some who, and there are some people who, you know, who, um, um, who reject that. Um, mm-hmm. 
a couple of the, a couple of those guys have started kind of moving away from that stuff. But you know, but and I just mentioned all that as again a tangent, just to sort of talk about that there is an aspect of all of this occult, paranormal, demonic that is really like it's good marketing. Yeah, and and it and it becomes enticing and and all of that to get people to buy stuff, which in a way could be its own form of a different kind of demonic, but. Mm-hmm. It's 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 that element where yeah there's a lot of charlatans a lot of people out there who are gonna who are gonna wrap up a certain imagery and packaging about this stuff because it'll sell books or it'll sell movies. Right. It's not actually rooted in anything real, and that muddies the waters because I think, and I know I'm probably getting ahead of ourselves right now, but like I think that this topic is one of these things that like and like you said it's very serious for Christians, right. and you don't want to you don't want to you want to tread lightly with this stuff. I mean I, I I'm I'm. You know, just guessing, you know, we, we average about maybe a hundred views, <clears throat> sorry, a hundred listens, you know, a week, maybe per episode. Yeah. And I'm sure there are Christians out there who, who take their faith very seriously and are, who, are, who are probably a little alarmed that we're taking on this topic. Right. Right. I mean, I, and, and when, and what, what I grew up in, you know, I grew up in a, in a very strict, you know, even strictly evangelical background. And uh, there was a lot of focus on, you know, spiritual warfare. And it's like even just broaching the topic is like going to war, you know, it's considered to be going to war. Like you're right. already kind of you're peeking out, you're you're opening the window to peek out a little bit. But even doing that, it's like you're inviting conflict. Right. And like I grew up in, you know, and I grew up with a fundamental and more of a fundamentalist background where it was like even acknowledging it is dangerous right. because you're sort of opening up the opportunity for like it to like get you. Yeah. And like, I'm not going to lie, man, there's still the, the, some of the stuff sticks that's still deep rooted with me, you know? And so like, <laughs> but for me, this, the, I'll tell you what my approach in our conversation with this JP, I mean, you're the moderator, so you, you, you know, you're setting the tone, but like my mindset with it is that it's important to know your enemy and to know your enemy correctly. Mm-hmm. So I think it's important on one hand to acknowledge a lot of the ridiculous, silly stuff that has cropped up around this because it, because to me allows the really truly wicked and evil and and insidious stuff to work uninhibited because it gets us to focus on, you know, the, the ridiculousness. Okay. Um, well, before we go a little bit further, I just want to know what does Matt think? Um, Oh yeah, that's right. We keep forgetting to talk to Matt. Matt, you have, you're a little quiet, man. You know what? Everyone has a bad week. Uh, maybe he's having his own spiritual warfare thing right now. I don't know. Whatever. It's your journey. It's your journey, bro. Um, Chuck, let me ask you something. What is a demon? <laughs> I mean, is is a demon uh, like what you see in The Exorcist, Pazuzu, with the Captain Howdy face? Is it the like like Buffy with the horns? You know, all different different kinds of demons with scales and tails and 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 claws and I don't know. Are they just like evil versions of of angels? Are they Vulcans? I don't know. <laughs> the Vulcans. <laughs> you know that um, originally there was concern that Spock would be considered satanic. Yeah, I, actually, I, now that I said, I I, just, I remember that because they said that he like kind of appeared like Satan or something like, yeah, I, I, if I'm not, the eyebrows they, or something. Did, right. And I'm trying to think, did they want him to be red originally? <laughs> they might've wanted him to be like red skin. Anyway, well, I, I was, I, that, well, I was if, if Funston were here, he could correct me on that. But the, re- the reason why I brought up <laughs> Vulcans is because it reminded me of an episode of Buffy 
that started with Faith f- fighting um, uh, Mr. Spock. Um, it was kind of funny. I don't know. I, it was, I forgot why. But there's a part where Faith is fight, fighting Kavolkum. Anyway, so what is a demon? Chuck. So, oh man, this actually, you would think it would be an easy question to answer. Yeah? It's not um, easy? No, it's not easy because there's such a huge lack of consensus because you have to work on the, the again, the, the distinctions here. We have to work with the pop Christian, the popular Christian understanding of demons. Mm-hmm. We have to look at what the New Testament says about them. And we also have to look at the Old Testament and what it says about them. But then there's also the muddied waters of the Greek translation of the Old Testament that leads into some other things. So it it's not as it's not as clear cut as we'd like to think. Now the pop the pop popular Christianity mainstream you know talk to any Christian on the street uh, answer to that question is they're going to say they were angels that rebelled against God. Right. They followed Lucifer when Lucifer fell. Mm-hmm. But here's why that's a complicated issue is that is based on a particular interpretation of a passage in the book of Daniel, particularly as the way the King James version of the Bible interprets it. Okay. Many scholars, indeed, and probably most scholars at this point do not think that that passage is referring to an angel falling from heaven that ended up becoming Satan. Really? They actually think that it's that it's about a um, that it's about an emperor who fell from grace or whatever, or a huh. king who fell from grace, um, and that it's meant to be more of a poetic language thing rather than like this 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 timeline thing about like what happened to Satan, and and because of that, it creates this whole like so like Satan like I mean it's hard to talk about demons without talking about Satan, right? And Satan has become this character who is sort of the count the evil counterpoint to God, mm-hmm. which is kind of a nonsense. It, well, it's nonsense in within the biblical framework. It's also far more pagan than it is Christian right. in its understanding. Um, and so it, it, it's complicated because the pop Christian understanding is it's so taken for granted. There are people, if you're listening, there, there are people probably listening to this podcast right now who are probably mad at me for saying this because <laughs> they're saying that I'm somehow getting it wrong and somehow giving ground to Satan or whatever. Yeah. But the simple fact is, is that the popular understanding of what we think of as demons is not necessarily the biblical understanding of demons. Right. So, so that's, I mean, when I think of a popular understanding of demons and, and Satan, I think of like, they just kind of hang out in hell and they torture souls and stuff like that. You know, the the picture, like like Dante's Inferno, the picture of Satan and the, and the lowest, uh, right. lowest part of hell just hanging out there and his minions are just torturing people all around him. Right, and that's and, and and I'm glad you mentioned that because that's really the fa- that's really the problem for us is that Dante's Inferno and later Milton's Paradise Lost are the books that have far more influence on our understanding of hell, right. of Satan and demons than anything in Scripture. And part of that is the church's fault because the church refused to let the Bible be translated into. Oh. A language that people could read and understand, but you know, people were writing so, books and stuff. So they turned to pop culture, right? Interesting to fill the void because you think about it, like you know, you're an English peasant, mm-hmm. you you speak you know Anglo-Saxon, you don't or Welsh or whatever, you don't speak Latin, right? Ecclesiastical Latin, and you know, the church doesn't translate now. The, you know, a lot of within a lot of reformed churches, there's this uh, of churches of the of the uh, that grew out of the the uh, the Great Reformation. They, they, you know, they want to try to criticize the the Catholic Church on this, but really, the Catholic Church's desire to not translate the Bible 
and the liturgies and everything into the common vernacular was a concern that, you know, people who weren't properly educated would misrepresent this stuff, which we see today. Um, so there was a valid point in that. And there was also the concern that by translating it, you know, you always lose something in translation. So they wanted it that if you were going to read this stuff, you should know it in, you know, a kind of a high language because Latin was considered to be a better language than common than common everyday language. Right. But it had, but there was the unintended side effect uh, and consequence of it is that people didn't know what was being said or done in church. And so in trying to understand that there were people who were writing books for them, yeah, you know, in a more popular level. And so that filled the niche and filled the gap for people. And so um, so that's something that we talk about a lot in in within academic and, and with, and, and within the clergy world and, and, and more the, you know, again, more academic seminary world about, you know, how much of our theology around a lot of this stuff is muddled by popular literature right. and challenge that we have in deconstructing some of that stuff. Okay. So, so uh, my original question, what, what, what is a demon? So, <laughs> <laughs> so as the, as a Christian, I, I'll, I'll use what the, what the Christian understanding of, of these, Things because this is so demons have their roots in Hebrew concepts, mm-hmm. um, just as everything in Christianity has its roots in Hebrew Jewish context, particularly stuff that developed after the Babylonian exile. Um, the word demon is a Greek word, um, daimion or uh, daimion, daimion, sorry, daimion, okay, um, daimion. So some I'm familiar, trying to like, familiar wording in there. Right, and um, that's a question. I wish Father Fun were here for this because he's a, he he knows Greek really well, biblical Greek. Um, but I'm, I'm wondering if it's the same word as dominion at the same root. But anyway, um, so diamond or daemon, which is the I understand is the the Latin equivalent to that word. Um, but the word in Koine Greek, which is the Greek of the Bible or the New Testament, um, the idea there is is it's the word means spirit. Okay. Um, like lesser God, lesser spirit. I mean, it's rooted in this concept in Hebrew, which is, um, again, spirits. So we have to, you have to kind of wrap your mind around the first century cosmology mm-hmm. to understand this idea. But within pagan Rome, there was the belief that, you know, of course, there were many different types of gods and, and demigods and all kinds of different beings. Right. And there developed a theology around this that aspects of those gods dwelt within statues made of those gods like their vestiges were hanging around yeah so that like there yeah there so there was a there was a bit of that god or something dwelling with any within any statue that was made of it and so that's why people that's why people worshiped the statues because they believed within the statue was was contained a you know some kind of essence of this divine being and so very early on you know the church again being an offshoot of judaism the great sin in judaism is um is idolatry that's the one thing that all sins are rooted in idolatry. So Christians followed the same path. You know, they were, they, they were, they were concerned about idolatry. And so very quickly, Paul and all these other people, they developed this language around the idea that, you know, that, and they, and they were willing to accept the Greek view that there was something supernatural living within these, within these, these images. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were false and they were false deities and false beings. And then that, eventually developed over a century or two into this idea that they were evil, not just that they were some other being that was trying to take attention from the one true God, but that it was actually evil, malevolent forces 
that were bef- that were behind this. And so that's where the language, that's where the, the 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 early Christian concept of the demonic comes from, is that these are supernatural beings, but they are evil supernatural be- beings. Okay. Even though they may appear as though they're, you know, they may try to put on the, you know, the, some kind of front that they're good. Right. Their ultimate, per, their ultimate purpose is nefarious because they're trying to, they're trying to get people to focus on them rather than the one true God hmm. and the things that Jesus reveals. So, so that's 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 the true understanding of demon as it's sort of presented in the New Testament. It's not that they're fallen angels. It's not that they're. It's not that they are the the subordinates of some supreme evil being called Satan or Lucifer. It's that they are they are a, they are a supernatural power that exists in creation, hmm. and that is ultimately seen as nefarious and, sure. and wicked. I gotta tell you, Chuck, you're blowing my mind because you're the first person that's ever told me this. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I have always, like, I have always sort of recognized demons as as fallen angels. As they used to be angels, and they rebelled, and they just kind of hung out. They, they, liked, they liked Lucifer more, and they hung out with him. They agreed with him. And then they just became a gang devoted to, like, just corrupting mankind. Just, 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 just to, to piss off God. Yeah. I mean, and, and the thing is, is, like, that's a, that's a pretty resonant that's a pretty resonant story and it's good drama right right yeah yeah to have this opposing army of god, to god it's campbellian and, if you will right exactly <laughs> and and so what what you what you what you what that what that story is is that it is the struggle of good versus evil right and that they are effectively equal powers at war with one another and we're just caught in the crosshairs. Exactly. And it's really it really basically comes down to we have to decide which side we're on. And that's West that's Western dualistic thinking. Really. What it comes down to, it's not very, you know, within Eastern within Eastern thinking, which is the 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 the, the thinking of early Christianity, because I mean we love to talk about Christianity as a Western religion, but it's not, it's an Asian religion, North African religion. Hmm. Um, you know, it's dealing with this whole wide sense of you know that there is just so there's so much going on in creation. There are shades of gray. There's it's a complex thing, and there are multiple types of spiritual energies and powers um, at play within the world. But the ultimate thing for us to realize is that there is one true God, and that God ultimately wants us to know what true love for humanity and what all of that is about, and He does that through Jesus. So that it sort of allows us to cut through the BS of the world and see what the true path of righteousness looks like, right? By following after this, and so, um, but yeah, so you know, it's a, it's I, to me the cosmic story behind the Christian religion as presented in Scripture is a far more nuanced and rich story, and it's epic, but it's not epic in the sense of like like Lord of the Rings, yeah. where you've got the orcs on one side, and you've got Gandalf's army on the other, and like that big struggle, which orcs and elves, <laughs> yeah, and, you know, and that's and I mean, and that's the thing is, is you know, Tolkien was bought, you know, he bought into these popular notions mm-hmm. that had you know become very big part of medieval of medieval Christianity, yeah, because again, nobody knew what was actually in there. <laughs> And so they were, they were, you know, 
Well, They're I'm, blending folk religions and other things in with this stuff. I'm fascinated by this now because it, it totally changes my line of questioning. Because, okay. Because, I, because uh, you know, if, if these are simply vestiges to sort of come with with the reality that we live in, um, you know, what, what is are – they, are they serving some sort of purpose or are they like – like and just a, just a, a random being that exists on a different plane, and the way they interact with us is the only way they know how to, which is to be evil and possess us and make us do bad things. Right, and that's what, and this is where things get really strange because within Judaism, mm-hmm. as I understand, um, there are and, and now Judaism, of course, is very is a very wide and rich religion that has a whole different a whole range of different interpretations based off of all the rabbinical works and stuff, but. The consensus that I've kind of seen in re- in regards to demonology in Judaism is that there are is that there are these powers, these wicked, these this evil, these these entities, these beings mm-hmm. that do acts of evil, but they somehow they somehow do it as part of God's as part of God's bigger picture for creation part of the design. Yeah. So a key example of that would be in the book of Exodus, where we have the angel of death that goes through and kills the firstborn. Right. In the story of the Passover, which Passover is going to start this week. So it's a good time to talk about this. Um, you know, this is, you know, that in, in, in Exodus, this angel is referred to as an angel from God. Right. But traditionally it's understood to be demonic because it's, you know, it's, it's killing people. It's doing something wicked. So within the ancient, within the ancient Jewish framework of this, here is this, here is this being that can do evil in the name of God. So it's part of God's bigger purpose. Mm-hmm. Well, I should do be evil, but, you know, do something that we would determine is, is bad, you know, whatever. And so it's part of, you know, but all of that, in the way, the way Exodus presents the story is that all of this stuff is falling in, is falling in place so that the bigger picture of what God is trying to do by liberating the Jews is seen. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and which is, by the way, a story that the Calvinists love because it talks about God hardening Pharaoh's heart and all this stuff. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, God's sovereignty is really, you know, real big part of, of you know, that extreme almost Calvinist understanding of sovereignty. Uh, That's um, his favorite thing to do. Right. Yeah, it's his favorite thing to do is harden people's hearts. It's... <laughs> and so, yeah, gosh. But, but then also similarly is the story of Job, which a lot of scholars think is the earliest book of the Bible. It was the earliest thing written in all of the Bible. And I, it, I, let me say, I, I'm fascinated with that book because there's like the people who, who read it and study it fall into two camps. They either read it all the way through or they stop at the suffering. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. That's a, yeah. Job, Job's one of those books for a long time. I was terrified to read because I was afraid that if I read it, it would happen to me. Really? <laughs> yeah. But you know, Satan is interesting in that book because Satan's in that book. And Satan is freely allowed to enter into the throne room of God, and he makes a bet with God. Mm-hmm. And God, like, okay, sure, you know, here you can, you know, do do you can do you can do all this harm, and it'll prove that, you know, but it's all done to prove that Job is faithful. I mean, it's poetry, and that's the other thing. It's, it, it Job, Job, you know, may well be more poetry than actual theology, right? But, um, but it does reflect an ancient an ancient near Eastern understanding of this stuff that there was a supreme deity and that there were these lesser, you know, kind of demigod type beings. Mm-hmm. And they answered to the one true supreme God. And one of those is kind of a trickster tempter figure that's allowed to do that's allowed by, you know, 
that's allowed to, you know, engage in calamity and things like that. Yeah. Um, but the whole, but, and, and the thing is, is that in, and for us now we're at, it's like, it, it makes God sound like a jerk, but in the ancient world, the, again, cause we have to think about, you know, we have to try to get our, 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 our heads in the headspace of people in this time period, you know, 6,000 years ago or whatever. Right. And within that, within this work, their thing is to really emphasize the fact that nothing can exist without God's comprehension. And so how do we account for the wickedness and evil in the world? With a, you know, basically they're trying to answer that classic question, you know, how does a good God allow evil to happen in the world? Right. And so for them, it's just basically to say that, well, God has a bigger purpose that we, from our human standpoint, can't understand that there are, there are, there are things happening behind the scenes that we're unaware of. Mm -hmm. And we have to say that somehow God is aware of all of it because it can't just be something outside of God's understanding and control. Um, you know, what, what fascinates me is that People didn't come up with like, um, you know, you and I are, are both writers and we're both storytellers. We love movies and comic books and stuff. It fascinates me that they didn't come up with like a like like a different religion just to say that one is the bad one and that's why all the bad exists in the world. You know right. what I mean? They just kind of stuck to their own understanding and beliefs. Right. I found that kind of fascinating. I don't know if that's like a Western thing that we have like good sides and bad sides. But it almost kind of feels it's a it's a battle between good and evil, but it's like within its own thing. I don't know how I don't know if I'm even being clear, but yeah, well, it's it, well, it's I mean that's the thing that uh, like Richard Rohr, who is a, a Franciscan, former Franciscan, anyway, he's um, buddies with Rob Bell and has um, and has written a, lot, a number of books that are very influential on on Stefan. But one of the things that he's been really big on, and you know, in turn, in, inspired people like Rob Bell and others. And so I think a lot of Christian leaders that are really trying to talk about this stuff is being aware of what we call Western dualistic thing, as I mentioned earlier. And it's exactly that that idea that we have a tendency to break everything into sides, right? And it's become a big part of my preaching because, you know, it's – look at everything in America right now. It's it's either – you're either a Republican or a Democrat. You're either a conservative or a liberal. You're either a Yankees fan or a Red Sox fan. You're Socialist either, or a capitalist. Right. Everything is in everything is in these dichotomies. Yeah. Star Trek or Star Wars. Right. But like Eastern thinking is not like that. I mean, you know, perfect example is the yin and yang sign, yeah. which is, you know, light and dark. But there's also a little bit of light and a little bit of dark in both. And it's this recognition that things are, things might be a little more fluid than we're comfortable with. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's the, and that's the thing is, is like when we really start peeling back the layers and really kind of understanding the cosmology, the, the way of thinking of these early Christians, it is so insanely different than what we take for granted nowadays right. in Christianity. I mean, like, and that, the thing for me that like really kind of got me thinking a lot about it was when I went to Jerusalem and like sort of and was worshiping with um Ethiopian Christians. Mm -hmm. Like if you want to see if you want to see Christianity in its most raw and radical form, the Ethiopian church has it because you know they they their their liturgies and everything they're doing are unchanged for like 1700 years. So they're mm -hmm. worshiping, yeah, I mean what they're doing is very ancient and their understanding of the world, they've maintained it and it's a lot different than what we see here in the west where yeah. you know, I, I um you know, when we were going to PBA and I was in the in the missions planning team, we had a team go out to Rwanda and um, they found that like in sub-Saharan Africa, they're really, really, really serious about like demonic activity mm -hmm. and possession and exorcism. Like that is a huge thing for them. 
And like I had team members come up to me and tell me stories of like I met a possessed person. Yep. Like it, it's 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 very um, they take it very seriously over there. Yeah, and that's and that's another piece about this is like I mean, and you know, I'm talking about you know, I'm talking about what I know, which is the Christian understanding of this stuff. Yeah. But it is important to note that demons exist in every world culture. Right. That at some point we as the human race had to account for the fact that there are that there is an e- that there are evil forces in the world. And our understanding of that is that there are these beings that sort of come out of that and are somehow related to that. Mm-hmm. To these evil powers, and I and I find that I just find that fascinating that it's 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 one of those things that's common, and you know it it you know if if you're going to be a purely secular anthropologist, you know you can say that it's sort of a mythologizing of of factors that they see in the world that mm-hmm. they're observing, and this is their way of sort of accounting for it, mm-hmm. or we intrend you know we intuitively understand something that's on the other side of our, that's, that's kind of beyond our understanding or our comprehension of reality mm-hmm. and that we're, and we're, and we're recognizing it somehow. And, and this is the way, and you know, that, that maybe there are actually these, and this is the thing, I'll just come out and say it. I completely and fully believe in demons mm-hmm. as well as I believe in angels. And I believe in all of that stuff. I think it, I think it's absolutely there. Do, do you think that, um, you know, we were talking earlier about probably some people are there, there, afraid to even broach the subject because talking about it could, could make you suspect to summon them. Do you think right. it's, it's that accessible that you can access a demon that easily? Um, yes and no. Yeah. I mean, is the spirit, yeah. is the spiritual world like that sensitive? I, I mean, maybe I, I, it, it's hard for me to say yes or no to that because, you know, I, I mean, I've not experienced it. I know that some people, you know, they have, mm-hmm. um, I, I think for me, I, I want to have, I want to have somewhat of a broader, I, a, somewhat of broader understanding because I think that often when we talk about demons, yeah, we have this very dark, arcane understanding of it. You know, it's it's a Buffy the Vampire Slayer, you know, understanding of it that this is the kind of stuff that's relegated to like odd libraries and tomes and like the occult and right. like. You know, and so like that—that's that's this deep, this deep kind of thing. Yeah. You know, it's an Alan Moore kind of thing. It's, but I mean, it's why I wasn't allowed to watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer because <laughs> I was probably letting in demons in the house. <laughs> yeah, and and then the thing is, I think that there are things like that. I mean, obviously, you know, there are there are people like Anton Lavey and others who have you know engaged in like arcane kinds of you know and Aleister Crowley and people like that. There are people who engage in this like really kind of you know deep dark stuff, and so I think there is definitely a de- there is that kind of dem- demonic realm. But I also am willing to say that there are demons that that are a little more like. Well, it's it's inter- so it's interesting because that we're talking about this when when we are because um, I do a class on Thursdays with my church and we were actually talking this this same subject came up in the class completely coincidentally of us recording this podcast and one of the people in the class was talking about how she had gone somewhere where she felt she was in an evil place mm-hmm. she could feel it she could feel evil right and um, she was uh, she was in Honduras and she was at a place where they used to do um, human sacrifices. And she's like, there was clearly like something there that she just sort of discerned um, and she didn't want to go back. She it was unpleasant. She didn't like it. Um, and 
and I, and I, when she was talking about it, it dawned on me that I've had a similar experience and it's, it's kind of humorous to some people, I guess, but it was, it was Mississippi. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I have friends who are from Mississippi, so I'm not trying to say that like everyone from Mississippi is like a demon or whatever, (laughs) but it was like, when I went to, when I went to Mississippi for the first time, it was like crossing the border. I mean, my wife and I crossed the border from Alabama in rural Mississippi and almost instantly, almost at the line of crossing over, it was like. I could feel the racism, like the history of racism in the air. And it was almost like in um, in um, uh, Django Unchained when they finally go to Mississippi and it's like those big block letters, Mississippi, like oh, across yeah, the yeah. screen. It was like that. I mean, maybe maybe I was connecting with that movie when I did that, but it was sort of something like I was sort of aware of the entire time I was in the state that racism is part of the kind of the fabric of reality there still that even if like people aren't racist, it's still something that everyone's kind of aware of in the heritage and history there. And so I want to say then that racism is a demon hmm. and that, and that there is some spiritual power that is sort of the embodiment of that, of bigotry and racism. And and to me, that's, you know, that's, that's closer to what the ancient world understanding, which, you know, we see kind of reflected in things like in, in pop culture franchises, like American gods, where there are these personifications of all these things in the world. Right. Um, and I think, I think, I think racism is absolutely a demonic power. I, and, I, I'm not going to disagree with that. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and so like, I, well, at the same time, I do believe in sort of, you know, the, the, the these real, like, like heavy types of of possession where there's like other voices and physical, you know, feats and all that kind of stuff that we see that, you know, you kind of traditionally understand with possession. I think this stuff's real. I think it's, I think it's fairly, it's relatively rare, right? But I think it does happen. I think it is real, but I also think that racism possesses people. I think people get possessed by that. I mean, you know, you, you, the way that people will act and, you know, getting whipped up in crowd mentalities. I mean, just hatred in general. Yeah. Possesses is, is, is like, is like a disease. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Or a spirit. Right. Cuz you so, do get cuz in, in in hatred you do get caught up in it. It kind of it like it's it's like a it's almost like a like a mindset that just kind of clouds your entire perspective of reality. Right. And it's a distortion of and, and this is the other piece. I mean, possession and all of that is about these demonic it, to me is about demonic powers that are twisting the nature of uh, you know, the, uh, twisting human nature. Mm-hmm into something different than what it was intended to be. Right. And I think that in a world where, as I, as I believe we were created by God for, with a specific understanding of what humanity, what being human means mm-hmm. that racism and bigotry is not part of that vision. And so it distorts and twists us. And so it's possession. I think, I think I, I if, if it's anything, maybe we, maybe you put it in our, in the way we kind of have to account for it, you know, maybe we put it on like a spectrum or, or levels or whatever, and that it's maybe like light possession because it doesn't involve like, right. But, but, you know, but maybe not, maybe I'm maybe wrong. It's, it's a, it maybe influence instead of manifesting. I mean, yeah. I mean, and, 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 and the thing is too, like what I want to, and why I want to also kind of be careful around this is because for a lot of people, when we hear the word possession, we're thinking of another entity that's possessing someone. And, and so therefore like it lets the individual off the hook for their actions and they can sort of blame the demon for their actions. Mm -hmm. And I think races, like, I think, I think the demonic power that we call racism, it doesn't let you off the hook. Like it's, it's, 
it, it is it is an it is an aspect of human nature that is brought about by sin in the world. Right. And but it's a, and it's a symptom of all this. It just it comes out of that. It's something that's drawn out of us, but it's still, you know. So it's not like it's like it's not like I, it's like it's not like if, if I remember the Ku Klux Klan or skinhead, and then one day just like stop being one that I can be like, well, you know, right. I never did anything wrong. It was the demon. Like, yeah, yeah. Mm, you kind of, you, you, you know, it, yeah, there's a demonic power again, but you're complicit in those actions. Right. Right. Um, it wasn't happening in spite of you. Yeah. Um, well, since we're on sort of the subject of possession, um, you know, when I think of possession, I think of, uh, like, you know, the exorcist or the exorcism of Emily Rose and also, uh, you know, how it kind of relates back to the story in the Bible and the gospel where Jesus uh, approaches a guy who's possessed by, uh, I guess, many demons because he asks who, who, mm-hmm. what his name is. And he says, we are legion for we are many. Yeah. And he draws he, he draws him out and puts him into pigs or something. Right. Right. Is that is that like a. I mean, is, is that a, is that the same situation as like we were talking about, you know, angels being kicked down from heaven? Is that I mean, can we take that at face value that that that, that is real possession? Yes, I think that's re- uh, yeah. And and again, like, you know, as I said, at the beginning of this, it's it for me, this is all about knowing our enemy. Yeah. And I think what often happens is we get very intrigued by these sort of extraordinary types of possessions. Right. Which I do again. I think legitimately happened. Like I legitimately think Jesus encountered a dude who had like a million, who had you know a thousand, a thousand demon demons, you know, the demonic beings in him possessing him. And I do think all you know, those things actually do happen. And there's clinical, you know, there's some clinical studies about you know where people have investigated cases of this stuff and have concluded that there are these rare cases where there is something else, there's someone else in there, hmm. um, in it within someone's mind or whatever it is. Um, so yeah, I think that does happen. And, and, and I think it's, it's a very, it's something we're, just, it's something we're very aware of. Right. And, and, and again, it's, it's, it's common throughout human history. Possessions are common throughout human history across the world, across the globe, regardless of culture and religion. Um, and so I don't want to just, I'm not, I, I don't, I would never discredit that or discount that. Okay. But I think that it's all, that it's important not to let that be the exclusive focus. Okay. Because it's easy to let that be the thing and let us ignore these other evils that are in the world because, you know, we can look at you know, oh this guy is possessed and cut himself in the tombs and doing all this stuff. Yeah. But we're not really asking questions about the bigotry we might harbor is, is there like yeah. a, a specific reason as to why demons would possess a person? Like, you know, you say it's, it's, it's a rare thing to happen and it's something that we shouldn't put all of our focus on. Why, why, why does that happen? Uh, honestly, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. And I'm not aware of anywhere. I mean, the Bible never gives a reason for it. Right. It's just when, and, and curiously, Demon possession doesn't it doesn't appear in the Christian Bible until the New Testament. It's not in the Old Testament. Oh. Um, and um, even though, like within Judaism, rabbis and others, like in the in the within midrashic traditions and things like the Talmud and whatnot, they they talk about it. But within the actual Hebrew Bible itself, there's just there aren't accounts of it. 
that I can think of. Um, so it really becomes more of a thing um, in Jesus's time in the first century. That's um, interesting. Or, yeah. Uh, that's actually because there's like, um, so take it for granted. It's taken for granted by the time we get to it with Jesus. There's never yeah. like an explanation. Um, it's just there. My one of my favorite uh, one of my favorite exorcism movies is called uh, The Possession, and it's actually a fairly recent one that came out a few years ago. It's produced by Sam Raimi, and mm-hmm. uh, it's actually like a, a Jewish version of The Exorcist, where it's a dubbuck that's that's uh, possessed the girl, not like a you know New Testament demon. Right, and they have to use rabbi to exercise it and trap it in a box. Yeah, but that's uh, interesting. Yeah, and also I wanted to ask you because we were on the topic of Job. Did you see um, a serious man? No. You should see that, Chuck. It's a Coen Brothers movie, but it's one of their lesser known films, and um, it has a lot to do with Job. And a lot of people okay. don't. Real- a lot of people don't realize that. And when I, th- I feel like there's, there's definitely two camps of people when they watch the movie. It's like when the end comes, they're like. I don't get it. What does it mean? But if you're familiar with the Book of Job, it's like I get it. I know what this. I know what this story is. So you have oh, to interesting. watch it. Yeah. Huh. Okay. It's, it's really good. That's another movie where they they bring up um, sort of like Jewish mysticism, and they bring up uh, like it's about this guy who's just having a lot of problems in his life. It takes place in the '60s. He has a family, and a rabbi asks, tells him like, "We think you have a dubik in your life. Not that you're possessed, but there is a dubik tom- tormenting you." Yeah. And, and, and that's something that, and that's another piece about this is like, I mean, there, again, there, there are levels of this stuff. Yeah. There's, you know, there's, there are these demonic powers that are there that, that, that can, that can torment a person. Right. You know, I mean, come on, we use one sense of the of sort of popular language, I think reflects some truth. And that's when we talk about like, you know, we talk about somebody, we find out, you know, they had like deep rooted drug problems or substance abuse issues. And we we're like, man, they had some demons. Right. Yeah. I think there's some truth to that language that, yeah. You know, when we, when we say we have demons or are battling our demons, it's sort of like an obstacle for us. It's something that we use to, to haunt ourselves. It's like always tormenting us and we have to kind of defeat it ourselves. Right. And that to me reflects the kind of language you're talking about here, like with the Dubbuck, that yeah. it's not, it's not necessarily like, to the same degree that we see with like the exorcist right. kind of situation, but that these things are still, yeah. they still affect us. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and that's really the thing is, is, I mean, it's all rooted. All these powers are rooted in the story um, in the garden of Eden where you have this, you know, you have this serpent mm-hmm. who, by the way, never called Satan. Right. It's just a serpent. Um, that um, in, in in Jewish in the Jewish tradition, I think the serpent is um, believed to be Lilith, Adam's first wife, and that's another fun thing. But um, yeah, Lilith the succubus. Anyway, um, just dissing her. <laughs> yeah. Well, the um, the but you look at that story and what's going on there is you've got this tempting voice that is ultimately trying to get Adam and Eve to make a decision, like an evil decision, and it's their own decision, like it's their own works. It's not doesn't make them, you know, doesn't, no one forces them to eat the tree and rebel against God and all that. No one forces that. It just, they coax it out of them. And that to me is, uh, is, is part of what is part of the work of, of what demons do mm-hmm. is that it's, and that's what the demonic powers are about is that they're, they are things that coax us to do the thing, to do certain things, but that the, they are our own doing. It's not in spite of us. Right. 
Um, now, but getting back to the, the question about actual like rationale for possession, I, I again, I don't know. There's no, I'm not yeah. aware of any kind of explanation for it other than, you know, there are, that there are evil powers in the world that are in opposition to what God wants, mm-hmm. and therefore they are willing to twist humanity. Okay, because it satisfies their own ends or whatever. All right. Um, just to shift gears a little. Okay. Um, when were you first introduced as a Christian? You know, we both grew up in Christian households. When were you first introduced to the idea of, of there are demons around us? Probably Sunday school. Yeah. Like, so fairly young, like maybe under 10. Oh, easily in elementary school. Yeah. I mean, didn't understand the full gamut of what it was, but yeah. Did it that like, what did that, how did that affect you as a child? Do you, I mean, do you know? I really don't know. I don't really think much about it. I, um, I remember later on in life, there was the fear that like, if like, well, there's one fear that was like, if I wasn't somehow like prayed up, you know, if I didn't pray enough or something that like, I could be opening myself up to demonic possession. But then I was told by pastors and stuff all my life. It's like, Oh, well, if, if you accepted Jesus in your heart, you can't be, you can't be possessed. So you're good. Uh, yeah. I, I got that one too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I sort of, my attitude on it was just sort of like, oh, okay, well that's other people's problem. Not mine. Yeah. I was introduced to it pretty fairly early in life. And I think, I think my earliest memory of thinking that demons exist was, uh, you know, my, my parents would watch movies in the living room on the big screen TV and I would like be playing on the floor while they watch movies quietly because my dad hated it when I was loud. Uh, <laughs> you play my, my, my Batman action figures or whatever. And uh, my parents were watching Ghost. Like the Patrick Swayze movie? Yeah. And um, you've seen Ghost, right? Uh, yes, I have. It's been a while, but I've seen it. So do you remember the scene where the bad guy dies? Yes. And he becomes a ghost? Yeah, the little shadow beings. Yeah, those the shadow beings start forming. They make those really awful like, noises. Yeah, and they grab them and they take them to help. But that's like horrible special effects. Oh yeah, <laughs> I saw that and it scared the crap out of me. And my mom explained to me that those were demons. <laughs> I am increasingly fascinated by the things that freak you out because again oh i'm not freaked out about it now like because i watched a clip of the other day i'm like wow i can't believe i was afraid it's you know it's one of those things it's it's not like i mean i was like cocoon aliens it's not like i was i was horrified by slimer the first time i saw ghostbusters (laughs) but like i uh actually i think it might have been been the the um the uh the the free-floating phantasm uh whatever they call it the library yeah but i um but no, I, again, I'm fascinated by the stuff that freaks you out because, again, like, you know, I know you said it doesn't scare you now, but like, <laughs> I'm going to let you listeners in on a little something. <laughs> uh, I decided to mess with JP. I just um, happened to um, Google or look up um, the word cocoon in a GIF um, um, app, and there were images of cocoon aliens. And I sent one to him, and he was none too happy with me. It was terrifying. Ah, um, I gotta say, the longer I watch that image, I can see why. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for but seeing it. The withered ones creep me out way more oh. than the like. Yeah, those are really bad. Lively flying around ones. Um, but it's just, it, it fascinates me that like someone who watches like Last House on the Left. 
Well, you know, it's funny because I watched I watched Ghostbusters before I watched Ghost. And it was the the demons and ghosts that scared me more than the ghosts and Ghostbusters. And that, I was never scared by Ghostbusters. Are you are you trying to say that you ain't afraid of no ghosts? I ain't afraid of no ghosts, Chuck. <laughs> um, and then another time I was I was reintroduced to it uh, around that time. The there was a a Christian best selling book from author Frank Peretti. Oh, what was uh, it called uh, again? We- is it, Gosh, um, uh, uh, um, I almost said a clear and present danger. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like something. Um, is it this side of dark? This present darkness. This present darkness. I remember oh, my brother. mom. My mom was reading it in bed. I was in bed with her. She's reading, it and I was reading something else. And I remember just getting a glimpse of the cover. Do you remember the cover of that book? The only version that I ever saw was my mom. This is one my mom had because my mom was also a big fan of that book, yeah. and um, it was just like a house. Well, the, the 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 cover I saw, and like it, it, I, I would be like, what is that? It was like a, it was a church, a little like little modest church, uh, next to like a lake or something, and there were clouds over it, but the clouds were like in the form of a talon, like like grabbing the church. You know what? That's the cover. I just never caught on to that. You never really. <laughs> I remember thinking like, what? I just remember asking, I'm like, what is that? And she just like explained to me about about demons. Um, it's funny because it didn't really. I don't think it really scared me back then because my mom was also really careful to be like, oh, but there, there's also angels. And, you know, they're like, you know, they're, they're your guardians. They're, they're, they're killing demons. So, I That's, mean, I was never – I mean, even though it, it's, it's still kind of scary to think about. Like I, I think about like people that explain demons to their children, especially Christians who are the same people. Like don't watch the scary movie because it will give you nightmares. By the way, there are these demons that exist. And they're fighting <laughs> in your bedroom for your soul. Good night. You know, <laughs> right? Yeah, and that's because that's the thing about like the, about Frank Peretti's books is that the the and the the the, 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 the this present darkness and the franchise that kind of shot off after that is the whole idea that like angels and demons are fighting constantly around us. Right. We just don't see it. Yeah, that idea fascinated me as a kid. Yeah, me too. Like, I I really wanted to like. I thought that would be a, that'd be a cool movie. <laughs> do you think uh, they had a, a lot of influence in sort of like modern day you know we do you think that sort of i don't know that's how I, I, ever since that, that's how i always thought of spiritual warfare is that angels and demons are always fighting all around us even that even the comic book archangels like that's what that's about too yeah i mean it's i mean it's there in scripture sort of i mean because there's this really bizarre story in the book of jude um where it talks about the archangel Michael battling Satan for the soul of Moses. Oh yeah, and and it's and that's why Jude is such a weird book because it's referencing p- books of the Bi- b- books that are not in the Bible, but were really? considered somewhat scriptural by other people. Yeah, when I learned that, I was like, "What?" Yeah, that's crazy. Like, it was like, "Don't tell my pastor; he'll get mad." <laughs> um, but um, but yeah, the, um, but yeah, there's this bizarre little bit in the book of Jude about this, about, and that's one of the things that the, the Archangel Michael is known for in the, within the, within the, um, all the prayers for the saints and stuff is that, Mar- is that Mike, is that Michael is the one who battles demons. Mm-hmm. And so you pray, you pray to St. Michael to battle demons, right? which is metal. <laughs> and it's funny. My, my mom always tried to articulate spiritual warfare to me when I was a child and I never really quite understood it. You know, even when she's kind of telling me that yeah, the other demons, but they're also angels and they're fighting and you're really okay. I didn't really get it. Yeah. Um, but until, until power Rangers came along. 
<laughs> and she's like, that's what it's like. That's what it's like. The angels are the power rangers and the demons are the putties and the aliens. <laughs> like, oh, okay. That makes sense. So, so Satan is Rita Repulsa. <laughs> Actually, Satan, Satan probably looks more like, or I, I think Lord Zed looks more like Satan. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which is also why I wasn't really allowed to have Lord Zed's toy. And um, my uh, my mom's gonna my mom's gonna roll her eyes right now because um, she also um, made me get rid of all of my um, aliens action figures because they they look like demons to her. <laughs> um, which well, as, as I've learned more about H.R. Giger and his work, um, well, yeah, exactly. yeah, kind of, kind of, yeah. He's they were they're the images that he saw in his night terrors and yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I, well, and, and since we're talking about angels a little bit, I guess this probably helps clarify a little bit some of the initial question about it. Because I think, I think the the idea of angels and demons is an important um, is an important part of talking about this because there are angels, right? And angels are these heavenly beings that are you know sort of you know they were created by God. They're not exactly human. And they're not exactly divine, but they're not you know so. But they're but um, but the word angel just means messenger. Right. And so the idea of angels is that they are messengers of God. And sometimes it, it, it's not necessarily clear in Scripture that every time an angel is mentioned that it might not actually be just a, a person who is, you know, sort of they feel they've been told by God to do something. And so therefore they become messengers of God. Hmm. Um, but I think that that, that, that that piece is important in part of our understanding of angels or part of our understanding of demons because the idea of messenger – you know, is that this is a being who does the work of God. Right. And so therefore, if we if we look at demons as sort of an, you know, a sort of a similar level of supernatural be or of, of um, celestial, you know, being. Yeah. Um, in which case, then it's also a messenger, but it's a, you know, but it's representing some kind of dark aspect. Mm-hmm. And so, so I, I, talk, I the, the reason I'm bringing that up is because I think because I, I know I've I've kind of rocked your world a little bit with this a little bit, but I but I do think that there is some nugget of accuracy in that idea of them being sort of the dark, the dark analog to angels, mm-hmm. and and even looking at looking at like the, the 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 cosmology of pagan Rome and Greece that Christianity sort of is steeped in and Judaism of that time is dealing with is. The is that in classical Greek, the word for demon is not necessarily seen as, as an evil with an evil connotation. It's it's sort of like the it's sort of like the the, the Daedra in in like the um, Elder Scrolls series where right. they're being some are good, some are bad, mm-hmm. and it's just you know they you just sort of have to sort that out. But there's some that are good and some that are bad. And there seems to be kind of an understanding in the ancient world of, of, of all of this is that, you know, that there are these – that there are – there's a certain class of celestial being that there are good ones and bad ones and maybe even some that are kind of in between. Hmm. And the bad ones that we've tended to call demons over time and the good ones we tend to refer to as angels. But that they're – that they're sort of a their own kind of race or whatever, that they're related to each other in some way or another. Somewhere in that pantheon, Hellboy exists. Sure. <laughs> but yeah, so I, you know, I, I, you know, I, like I said, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sorry. I shouldn't say I'm, I was gonna say I'm sorry for rocking your world, but I'm not sorry about rocking oh, no, your no, world. No, because no, I, think, I, I like it. I think it's important, but the thing, I, yeah, well that, and I think it's important to have an accurate kind of understanding and view of this stuff because like, 
But here's one for me that we can talk about a little bit is like the Ouija board. Oh, yeah. Like I know people who are petrified by the Ouija board because they're convinced that the Ouija board (laughs) is like every single one of them is possessed by a demon and that it's a tool for inviting demons into your world. Right. It's marketed by Milton Bradley, guys. It's, <laughs> it was created by Milton Bradley. It was created by Milton Bradley based off of a um, – uh, what's the thing called? The spirit the board light. or something, right? Like the, yeah. It's, it's based off this thing that – and like you studied the history of it. And it was it was made by – the it was basically made by like palm reader type people yeah. as like a little parlor trick. And Milton Bradley developed it to be like a prank. Yeah. And it's totally – it's like been totally proven by science to be like – that it's it's totally scientifically accountable. It's not yeah. this is you know and and I and you know I'm not I'm not going to discredit that there aren't people who've experienced sort of demonic things out of because I, I guess in some ways like I'm sorry I keep hitting my mic that you know sort of how you treat it can reflect something right. So I mean I'm not going to say that there might not be you're not going to say 100 you know 100 of the time it's like a complete innocent thing or whatever, but like. At the same time, like I, not that I'm going to go out and buy a Ouija board because, like, one, it's, it's garbage, it's dumb. Yeah. Um, and and I think that's an important thing for us to acknowledge is that is that is that we shouldn't be afraid of that thing. I don't think. Yeah, you should be afraid of Peter's answers. What? Peter's answers. I don't know what that is. Oh, you don't really? No, I don't. Oh. Okay. It's it's sort of like the, the Ouija board of the new generation, but it's specifically designed to troll your friends. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's like a it's okay. it's like online and you ask it questions, but like the person knows the answer and they can enter it in, but it, you can't really see them entering it. it you see them asking the question. Okay. So it, it actually answers your question. So it's like it seems like this this demon or Peter, quote unquote Peter, the spirit is answering your okay. questions accurately. And it's weird how it's it's weird how we continue to go to like it's some kind of spirit. It's interesting. Yeah, my my friend my friend Noah did it to me when we were in Europe, and um, I thought I was battling a demon that night. <laughs> <laughs> I see. For me, it's like so. It's basically like an algorithm, like Cleverbot or something. Yeah. It. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Okay, but yeah. So like to me, like, and the reason because I, I I caught some flack from some peers when I when I said this once in a in a conversation thread about the Ouija board. And I was like, no, by all means, the, the Ouija board should not be endorsed. The, the Ouija board should be exposed for the garbage idea that it is. It is a, that it is junk. It is a waste of $15 because <laughs> there's nothing going on with it. It's unless just you're scaring a, your friends. Unless, you, But no, even then, like it's done. There are better ways of doing it. Learn how to do <laughs> stiff, you know, light as a feather, stiff as a board. Way more effective. <laughs> um, you know, but like it's just it's dumb. It's a dumb thing. And by being afraid of it to me gives more power to something that doesn't need to have that power because, you know, we're getting ready to have Easter. And I think this is an important thing to acknowledge too, is that as a Christian and what I understand about what happens on Good Friday and Easter is that in the end, Satan is defeated. Mm -hmm. And so Satan has no lasting power over anyone. And, you know, that doesn't mean that we just discredit and discount this stuff because I think, again, it's serious and we need to be aware of it and it's in there in the world because, you know, it's, you know, we still live in the current age where this stuff is around. But I think we have to hold it in some degree of perspective. Yeah. And know that, like, it it can't have lasting power over us. And then furthermore, we shouldn't let a stupid Milton Bradley manufactured parlor trick 
get all the all the attention because I think it distracts us from the really, really insidious evil things that are going on in the world yeah. that, again, are demonic. Things like racism, things like environmental exploitation, things like sexism, things like homophobia. You know, those are the demons that I think we really need to be you know, we need to be aware of and talking about. And those are the demons that we need to be working on exercising in, in the way that we can, you know, rather than, you know, worrying about a, you know, who's using a stupid Ouija board. That's right. Sure. Matt, or, Matt, do you agree? <laughs> I don't think he agrees with you. That's weird. I don't, fine. Whatever, dude. Shake. What you, you bought a Ouija board? <laughs> no, that's that. I'm not going to do that. That, that, that makes Matt sound bad. No, no, <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I put words in Matt's mouth. I'm sorry, Matt. It was a joke. I was trying to, uh, he left. <laughs> he left. Fine. I don't need him. Okay. Uh, sorry, did I interrupt a thought? <laughs> no, no, no. Okay. It's, it's all good. It's all good. You know, it's funny. Whenever I think out Ouija boards, uh, now, I watched um, Riff Tracks. Uh, you know, Riff Tracks. What Riff yeah. Tracks is right? They yeah, did. Yeah. They they Dude, did. I went. To, I went to see a Miami Connection Riff Tracks right. with you. That's right. I forgot about that. They did uh, Paranormal Activity once. Oh yeah. And I watched that one. And there's a part in Paranormal Activity where they use a Ouija board, and then they they go out on a date, but the camera's still on and focus on the Ouija board on, on a desk, and it just just like sets itself on fire. <laughs> so and the Riff Tracks version, it catches on fire, and then one of them goes, "Oh no, the movie's so bad that props are committing suicide." <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's all I think about when I think of uh, Ouija boards now. And I, I realize I have to be careful with this because I, 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 I again, this, this, this I, is a serious subject for people, man, for some people like it's, it, you know, and like I said, I, you know, I've, I, you know, I've heard, I've heard people that I, that I, that I like and admire tell me about, you know, their experiences of seeing like the thing like levitate and like, you know, and I've like, I've heard those stories too. Yeah. And, you know, so I'm like, I'm, just I'm not going to smile. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say that like that crap doesn't happen because like you know, and to some degree, if you're treating it as a gateway to a supernatural realm, it's possible that it could be that. I guess I just don't think that. I don't think that like just because you buy it, it suddenly means that you're like summoning like Bethumet into your house. You know, mm-hmm. it's. I, I I don't think it necessarily happens accidentally. Right. Um, like I think it can be a tool to cultivate some pretty evil stuff, but in in the end, again, I think, I think there's, I think there's a lot of evils in the world that we ought to be focusing our attention on. I think it's convenient. I think it's convenient JP that you and I grew up in churches that, that's expended so much time and energy on heavy metal and Buffy, the vampire slayer, Harry Potter and, and Harry Potter and then at the same time was just like, oh yeah, we we feel we we got the gas guzzlers. Who cares? Like, uh, yeah, I, I mean, growing up, no one ever talked about racism, right? I mean, I didn't really take racism like that seriously until I was about maybe halfway through college. You know, like you, you yeah. just you, like you know it still exists, and like the idea of it makes you angry. You think of like KKK and the neo Nazis and stuff, but it's like, you know thinking that it's like in our still in our society and, and affecting people's lives still doesn't occur to you. And it's something that's never, that was never brought up at all when I was growing up in the church. Wow. Wow. Yeah. You know, like the fact that, 
yeah, I mean, there's just, I mean, so many things I can go on with that kind of stuff too. It just, we just never, it was just never really addressed, you know, it was just never really addressed. And, you know, but we would spend all this energy on this stuff that ultimately to me, I don't think matters that much. Yeah. Um, yeah. We talked and, about that during the, um, satanic panic. panic. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I, you know, I think that I, I and, and again, it's, it's a convenient thing to focus on to allow us to ignore these bigger problems that might not fit with our political, you know, leanings, which to me, that's evil and demonic yeah. that we would allow partisanship to twist us into something that might be contrary to what is good and right and decent and what we were created to do. But like, okay, so like with Jesus, though, so we talk about the exorcisms with Jesus. And I think that the, the big thing here in the New Testament with this is that Jesus is showing you know, he's he's liberating these extreme circumstances that everyone you know, that, that that lots of people were aware of in the ancient world and people in lots of parts of the world today are still aware of and seeing. And that by doing that, what he's showing is that if I can is that if Jesus can liberate people from that extreme concentrated type of demonic activity, then Jesus can also liberate us like he from the Paul. other the other evil. What? Like he liberated Paul. Right, the way that he liberated Paul from his yeah, that's that's beautiful. Yeah, that it's the same. It's consistent. Like, you know, to me, it's all part of the same project that Jesus is doing. He's healing people to liberate them from their diseases that keep them from being fully what God created humans to be, and he's liberating people from demonic possession so that they can be, you know, that they can live, you know, that they can be, you know, they're not twisted into this evil thing. Just as he's liberated people like Paul from the evil that possessed them, that allowed them to be intolerant and to kill and to and to murder and all of that, right. um, and it's all part of this bigger project, um, you know. Because Jesus, you know, he he picks individuals, you know, and it's it's certain people. He doesn't do it to everyone; just certain people that does this stuff to. But it's all part of this bigger overarching message that Jesus is this great liberator, and that on the cross and in the tomb and through the empty tomb, he liberates all of us from this supreme demonic power that exists in the world or these other demonic powers that exist in the world that are far more insidious than like the deep dark ones that we, that we tend to go to in our minds. Right. And that's my sermon. Good. Because I'm out of questions. That's all the time we have this week. Um, Matt, do you have any final thoughts? He's shrugging. Cold shoulder. Just can you give me the cold shoulder? I thought we were cool, man. Guess not. Whatever. Chuck, thank you so much. Uh, always a pleasure. I look forward to this every week. It's always great, you know. It's it's always fun to bounce ideas off Matt and uh, to and to have this back and forth uh, rapport with him. And um, even if he's yeah. giving you the you, cold buddy. shoulder, you, yeah, you. Mm -hmm. I love you, dude. I really do. So you think okay. you're gonna be able to uh, join us next week, or are you gonna be pretty busy? Not me. Yeah. Uh, I will not be here next week unless we record on another date, but it's probably gonna be tough because, um, I've got, I got feet to wash, man. Next Thursday. That's what yeah. we do. We wash feet. Thank you for joining us. Uh, everybody, please have a wonderful week and we'll see you next week. Good journey. Good journey.